preach about fatherhood from experience. I've been a father for 38 years and a grandfather for 13 years, and so I think that uh, gives me some authority, plus this wonderful book that gives us authority also. I was reading through Proverbs. Uh, this was weeks and weeks ago when this happened. And on the 17th day of whatever month it was, I came to the 17th chapter of Proverbs again, and verse 6 just grabbed my heart. Children's children are the crown of old men. I guess that's me, because my children have children, and they're the crown of old men, and the glory of children is their father. And so I wrote out in the margin of my Bible that day a powerful proverb for fathers. And I just left it there, and then as we got closer to Father's Day, I thought, what better theme could I have than this theme? A powerful proverb for fathers. I did not know at the time that O.J. Simpson would be in jail on Father's Day. I was absolutely floored at what happened on television on Friday evening when even an NBA basketball championship game is halted for a period while people watch this 40-mile-an-hour chase on a freeway in L.A. And we've all been reading about it. And it gives me a tremendous lead-in to this message because herein lies much of the problem of America. Men who have not fulfilled God's role. And I have uh, had a liking for O.J. ever since he began his feats on the gridiron in college. And he was pronounced in the 60s the college athlete of the decade and in the 70s the pro athlete of the decade. But as a father, a total failure. As a husband, a total failure. As a man, a total failure. If that's where your idol is going to be, you will be a failure. And what do we face? I read in the paper this morning an 18-year-old football player who has patterned himself after O.J. Simpson who said, I don't blame him. It was probably his wife's fault. That's where our heads are. Total failure. If O.J. Simpson doesn't get right with God, he will stand before God and God will say, O.J., you are a total flop. Depart from me. There's no place here for you. I don't care how many yards you ran in a season. I don't care how much money you made. You're a total failure. There's nothing in heaven for you. Now, friends, that's just exactly the way it is. And I want to speak to you men today that if you don't get your life in order, it's going to be the same way with you. God never gave you permission to divorce except for adultery 
or for an unbeliever walking away from you and leaving you alone. God never gave you permission to abandon your children. God never gave you permission to turn your family over to the government or to some other source to take care of them. God gave you that responsibility. And as a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ, if there was ever a day I needed to get up and speak to you with authority, it's this morning after what we've just gone through this weekend where a father murders as far as we know. If it's proven untrue, then I'll take it all back. But as far as we know, murders the wife of his two children and whoever this other fellow was in her life. There's no excuse for that. What will those children do now? What will their life be like? Did any thoughts like that ever cross this great athlete's mind as he picked up that knife for whatever reason? Look at the text again. In the modern language, it says, grandchildren are the crown of old age and the glory of children is in their fathers. If a child has anything to look Two, it's a father for strength, stability, direction, support. And that means much more than financial. James Dobson's office sent out the other day on the fax machine a little sheet called Fatherhood in the 90s. I excerpted three paragraphs from that for this message. Listen. More than one-third of the children in the United States will go to sleep tonight in homes in which their fathers do not live. More than one-third. What does that mean to kids? Second paragraph. More than half of our nation's children will spend a significant portion of their childhood living apart from their fathers. Is it any wonder they have a problem relating to our Heavenly Father when they don't see their own fathers? Hardly at all. Third paragraph. Since 1970, the number of American families has grown by 20%, but the number of families headed by women has increased by 51%. That only speaks of weakness in our nation, weakness in our homes, weakness in our family structure. It only speaks of problems that will be accentuated as the next century begins. Men have forfeited their role. And it is a tragedy indeed. Herbert Parker wrote these lines. Listen. To get his goodnight kiss, he stood beside my chair one night and raised an eager face to me, a face with love alight. And as I gathered in my arms the son God gave to me, I thanked the lad for being good and hoped he'd always be. His little arms crept round my neck, and then I heard him say four simple words I can't forget. Four words that made me pray. They turned a mirror on my soul on secrets no one knew. 
Four simple words I can't forget. He said, I'll be like you. I don't know what that does to you, but it sends chills up and down my body. When I think there are a couple of boys that I was instrumental in getting into this world who probably have said the same thing, I'll be like you. If the glory of children is in their fathers, what kind of fathers do we need today? If you would like to write the word father down on your bulletin or a piece of paper, my sermon outline is from the word father, taking the letters of the word as an outline, beginning with the word faithful. If the glory of children is in their fathers, then we need faithful fathers. 1 Corinthians 4, 2 says, It is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Translated, steady. Translated, constant. Translated, dependable. Faithful men. There are several categories that I could take time to talk about, but won't take a lot. Faithful to God first on the list. Not to your office, not to your business, not even to your family. Number one, faithful to God. You will face God someday, sir. And you will give an account of your fatherhood, of your life. And he wants to say to you, well done, good, and what? Faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Start there, please. Make a determination today to be faithful to God. And if you're not a father yet, but you hope to be someday, make it number one right now in your life. I will be faithful to God. Secondly, be faithful to your family. That's the next thing to God, your family. That little congregation that God put into your hands to care for, to nourish. I realized as a young father how special father must be when I got home from a ministry trip of several days and my boys saw me coming up the driveway and ran outside and leaped on me, almost knocking me over when they were just barely able to run. And it was interesting, their reaction to my return the youngest boy didn't know what to do but to sock me. He began hitting me. 
with this big impish grin on his face. Like, I am so glad you're home. Where have you been? And he just was so overwhelmed with my coming back that all he could do was just pounce on me, hit me. I was glad when I saw him last, he did not greet me that way. But it impressed me with how important my role was in those young lives. And then to get a card from my grandson who just entered his teens and in his own handwriting say, you are the most wonderful grandfather in the whole world. I don't care if the preacher in Proverbs does call me an old man. Children's children are the crown of old men. And that will live with me till next Father's Day. Family. What if I had been unfaithful to my family? My phone rang in my office at 6 a.m. this morning. I thought I would know who it was. Guess who it was? It was Rick. See, it's 8 o'clock there. He's just getting ready to preach his first service called to wish me a good day. And to think that he is preaching now there and my son is here and running a ministry out of this city, a parachurch ministry, And we have grandsons who have already stated they feel called by God to ministry. What a full house I have today. I cannot imagine being unfaithful to this family that God has given to me. Be faithful to your work, sir. If you said you would work for so much, then work for it. Don't slough off. Be faithful to the task that you have committed yourself to for your livelihood. We've got too many who just want a free ride. It is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Show your children what it is to work hard and to be dedicated to a task. And then... Be faithful to your church. Be faithful to your church. Don't be a slough off. Don't make them think that church is the last thing on the list. If there isn't something else to do, we'll go to church. Let it be the prominent thing in your life as far as activity is concerned. Family ought to know that before you'd ever go to a ball game, you'd go to church. Before you'd ever sit at home and watch an event on television, you would go to church. You would be faithful to your church. You would support the prayer meeting, the evangelistic meeting, the worship service, the Bible study. You would be there to give yourself to the thing Jesus planted on earth, the church. And the reason church 
attendance is declining all over the world is because men are declining in their faithfulness to the church. And it takes men to lead and men to follow if we are to have a future in the kingdom. The first word, if I were to say how children are to be the glory of their father is for fathers to be F-A-I-T-H-F-U-L. Faithful. Faithful. The A in the word father is available. Have you enjoyed this sermon so far? Well, there'll be less clapping in a few points. <laughs> available. How many fathers are not available? They're not available to God. You don't even talk to him, except when the pastor leads in prayer or someone else leads. Men! Hear me. God wants to hear from you regularly. He wants you to be available to him to help touch the world he made with his creative power. Make yourself available to God. Like Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 6, when God spoke to him in the temple, Isaiah said, Here am I, Lord. Would to God that every man that hears my voice this morning would say it like he did. Here am I, Lord. I'm available to you. Be available to God and be, then be available to your family. How much time do you give to your family? How much attention do you give to your family? Are you available to them? It's almost like I hear God saying what he said in the early part of Genesis. Adam, where art thou? Where are you, men, for God? Where are you for your family? Where are you to make a difference in the world? God had to go on a search for that first Adam, and so often he's on a search for us, unavailable. If we're going to be the glory of our children, then we're going to have to be available to God and available to our families. We're going to have to adjust our schedules, gentlemen, if God's going to use us. The third letter in the word father is the letter T, and guess what? It stands for tither. Men who are robbing God are men who are robbing themselves of blessing and robbing their family of blessing. Be a tither. What is a tither? A tither is a man who knows where his blessings come from. That they come from God, not from his own skill not from his own brilliance, but 
The blessings of life come from God. Tithing was instituted by God for man's benefit, not for God's benefit, for man's benefit. And how many of you men have never moved into the realm of God's blessing through tithing? Listen to me. We write checks because we owe somebody for something. We do it all the time because we owe somebody for something. It is a good reason to write out the tithe check because you owe God something. Same idea. I owe God everything. There isn't a thing I have or a thing I am that I cannot contribute and attribute to God. And so I am a faithful tither and have been for a long, long time. And I'd never want one of those dollars back because God has multiplied them so much in my life and in my family's blessings that I would be a fool to ever want them back or to ever hold back the tithe which the Bible says is the Lord's. If you're going to be the crowning glory of your children, learn to be a tither and do it regularly, whether you think you can afford it or not. Because when you do make that determination, God smiles and says, well, now I can do something miraculous for you. Until then, he is not permitted by your unfaithfulness. The H in the word father is the word honest. Dishonesty permeates society. Commitments that are not kept, be they vows made before the preacher at an altar to another person, or vows made in other realms of our life. Dishonesty literally permeates society. Lying is accepted in everyday life. It is not permitted by God. John Ruskin said, to make your children capable of honesty is the beginning of education. Powerful line. To make your children capable of honesty is the beginning of education. Sir, have you been honest with God? Have you been honest with your companion? Have you been honest with your children? Have you been honest with your boss? And are you honest with yourself? Or are you like the Pharisees who were one thing on the outside and another thing on the inside? Honesty. If you've been unfaithful to your wife, confess it. If you have been dishonest with your children, confess it. Face up to it. It'll find you sooner or later anyway. If you have been dishonest at your work, confess it. If you have been dishonest with God, confess it. Get it out in the open and choke it to death. It is not a time to put it under a bushel and hide it. You can never get free. You can never be this man that's crowned with glory if you don't face up to the issues and deal with them squarely. Be a man.
that's honest. Right up on top of the table. Your word is your bond. You can be trusted in every facet of your life. That's what God wants. That's the crowning glory of children. The E in the word father is enthusiastic. I'm convinced we don't need one more deadbeat in this world. I'm convinced of it. We've got enough. You know what the word means? It's from the Greek word entheos, E-N-T-H-E-O-S. It means literally God in us. That's where we get our word enthusiasm, God in us. You see, if you have God in us, you've got something to live for. If you have God in you, you have something to die for. For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. Entheos, I'm enthusiastic about life and even about death. That's what drove Nero crazy when he tried to get rid of these Christians. They were so full of God, he couldn't take the song out of them. He couldn't take the praise off their lips. They died burning in his gardens, praising God, full of God. I got up this morning enthusiastic once I figured out what was happening. Man, I was turned away from the alarm, and you know, you're in the middle of a dream. My brother Ray, who's here in this service, was shining my shoes in my dream. It was wonderful, Ray. I don't know where that came from. Probably from your military days. I don't know. But suddenly I heard something, and I couldn't figure out what I was hearing. It interrupted this wonderful act of my brother. And I finally figured it out. Oh, man, it's Sunday. Away I went. My day to meet with my people. I'll get up at four tomorrow morning to play a hundred holes of golf. Enthusiastic! <laughs> I think the worst bankrupt in the world is the man who has lost his enthusiasm. Let a man lose everything else in the world but his enthusiasm, and he will come through again to success. Let me ask you a series of questions, man. Are you enthusiastic about God, about your family, about your job, about your church? You should be. And I pray that you will be. Every man is enthusiastic at times, someone wrote. One man has enthusiasm for 30 minutes. Another has it for 30 days, but it is the man who has it for 30 years who makes a success of life. Amen and amen and amen and amen. It just goes on and on again. Why? Because God is in him. That's what makes the difference. Shake yourself. There's enough deadbeats in this world. Be filled with God as a man. Final letter is R. Be responsible. And I only have time to touch on two things in that regard. Be responsible for discipline. I read in a piece of correspondence this week this amplified quote of an old adage. 
There was a lot more character, a lot more reverence, a lot less crime, rape, unwed pregnancy, promiscuity, and child abuse when a woodshed stood behind every American home. You can clap. Come on. Look at Proverbs 22, verse 15, just in case you've been reading the wrong books. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. Amen? But the rod of correction will drive it far from him. Chapter 23, verse 13. Do not withhold correction from a child. Reason with him, saith the Lord. You're not following me in your Bible. You just sat there like that was really written. That is not written. That's why you need your Bible in your hand. Do not withhold correction from a child, for if you beat him with the rod, he will not die. I'm living proof of that. Many of you are. Chapter 29 of Proverbs, verse 15. The rod and reproof give wisdom. <laughs> sure worked for me. But a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. Father, you want to help your wife? Discipline. It's the father's basic responsibility. And the Bible does not mean child beating. If you truly love your child, you will place the rod of correction on the fatty area designed by your creator. <laughs> you know where that is, don't you? <gasps> God knew some of us were going to be worse than others, so gave us more fat in some areas than others. <laughs> God doesn't mean when you lose your temper, strike with uncontrolled rage. No, sir, but lovingly administering responsible discipline. Kids need to feel pain. Then after the worst of the crying subsides, sweep them up in your arms and tell them how much you love them and weep. Mingle your tears with theirs and explain to them that a stubborn will must be broken if they are to be a person that God can bless. That's what it's all about. And then be responsible to provide. I just have one verse, and it ought to say everything I need to say on that. It's in 1 Timothy chapter 5. It is the eighth verse, if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his household, he is denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. And that means if you have suffered the pangs of divorce and you have agreed to child support, then you'd better pay it because you're providing for your own and you're worse than an unbeliever if you renege. Oh, man, I shouldn't have said that, should I? Yes, I should have. 
You see, I said there'd be less clapping later. <laughs> be responsible for discipline. Be responsible to provide. Get to work. I've said it before, Robinson Crusoe is the only one who ever had his work done by Friday. There's the word father in my sermon. According to a nationwide survey of children, the comment they most often hear from their fathers is this. Are you ready for this? The most often comment heard from fathers in America is, I'm too tired. Shame on us. Selfish, fleshly, hunk of nothing. I'm too tired. Brother John, Sister Mary, help us all. What's the second most heard of? We don't have enough money. Well, a lot of things in life you don't have to buy. You give. The third most often comment heard by children in America is keep quiet. While all this energy is ready to burst forth, they're supposed to shut up because we're too tired. Oh, man. Don't you wish there were other letters in the word father? Well, what are you going to be, my boy, when you have reached manhood's years? A doctor, a lawyer, or orator great, moving throngs to laughter and tears. But he shook his head as he gave reply in a serious way he had. I don't think I'd care to be any of them. I want to be like my dad. He wants to be like his dad. You men, did you ever think as you pause that the boy who watches your every move is building a set of laws? He's molding a life you're the model for, and whether it's good or bad depends on the kind of example set to the boy who'd like to be like his dad. Would you have him go everywhere you go, have him do just the things you do and see everything that your eyes behold and woo all the gods you woo? When you see the worship that smiles in the eyes of your lovable little lad, could you rest content if he gets his wish and grows up to be like his dad? It's a joy that none but yourself can fill. It's a charge you must answer for. It's a duty to show him the road to tread ere he reaches his manhood's door. It's a debt you owe for the greatest joy on this old earth to be had this pleasure of having a boy to raise who wants to be like his dad. Pat, come, please. There is a song out of Promise Keepers, the great men's program that's running through this land like a hurricane that Pat sings, especially to our men. Listen.
The Spirit of God is calling, calling to men, stirring within our hearts a call to faithfulness again. First to our God, then in our homes, faithful in all we are, and with all that we own, I answer the call. I take my stand, I choose to live my days on earth, a faithful man. I understand that no man can stand on his own, but thanks be to the Spirit, we'll never stand alone. And now by His will, I choose to be all that the Father said that His children could be.
I want your eyes open and your heads this way. I want every man who will answer the call to be faithful, to stand up. Every man. You've heard the message of the pastor. You've heard the message of promise keepers. It's time that men be faithful. Now, ladies, will you stand and put your arms out to them, touch them, and pray for them, pray for them. All over this building, ladies, pray for this man. Pray for him. If it's your husband, seek God for him. If it's your son, seek God for him. Right now, just open your mouth. Start to pray. Everybody pray. You ladies, just pray for these men that you're standing with. Touch them and pray for them. They'll answer the call. Holy Spirit, as this sound greets our ears of women softly praying, I pray that you would make me a man after God's heart. Make me a leader of men. Purify my life. I answer the call, and I ask you, God, to do it for every man in this fellowship. May we be teamed together to pray, to witness, to live, that others may know Jesus is real, and in him are found all the answers to life's problems. Oh, God, give us men. From this powerful proverb about fathers, may there come forth some shining glory, some wonderful stories of God's help. Let men be honest. May they get their life squared up with your word. May they begin to take responsibility in every area, knowing that's when God will bless them. Lord, I want to be a, an encourager to them. Help me to be everything I can be, to make them become everything you want them to be. And I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, I've more than used up our time. So let's just sing our benediction and go to be good fathers and faithful men. And all the women said, <laughs> you need it, don't you, ladies? Absolutely. Love you all, and I'm looking forward to sharing with you tonight my special sermon with a lot of help from our drama department. Don't miss it. Bring some friends along, and have a wonderful Father's Day. And